you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, this is Dan Hansis alongside Chris Wessling. Hey, Dan. Mark Sessler and the boss, Greg Rosenthal. We're the Around the NFL podcast. Check us out three times a week as we discuss the latest NFL news as it happens. Always, of course, with a touch of mirth. Subscribe at NFL.com slash podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. Fantasy freaks and geeks, what's up? James Go here on the NFL Fantasy Live podcast, joined alongside by the Whiz Kid from Wisconsin, Alex Gilhar. What's up? Uh, not too much. This is a an, kind of an exciting episode because we're 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 playing a man down or two men down over here. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Adam Rank is tied up. Yep. Marcus is yep. Yep. I cur I believe currently in Amsterdam. Uh oh. So it's just you, me, and uh, the one and only franchise here holding down the, the franchise. Mark for uh, Mark Franciscovich. Ma- <laughs> Franciscovich. Uh, I feel like there's too many uh, mats here. We've got a lot of mats. So many mats. There's too many mats, uh, but uh, we got the franchise. What's up, man? What's up, James? I'm glad I have a uh, unique nickname. Unique the franchise. Yes. Bless you, Adam Rank for giving that to you. Do one, you have? Do you have the best beard in I, fantasy? I, I don't know. We're gonna have to wait and see. No, it's what does Harman Matt Harmon think about that? I, I think I think Harmon, I know he's proud of his beard, but I think he'd have to defer to you and, and your, your beard. It's luscious these days. That's what I'm saying. The it's the the density. Of it's like straight franchises up, beard. It's straight up hockey playoff beard, like those ferocious beards the guys have by the time to get to the Stanley Cup finals. That's yeah, what, that's what franchises rocking. See, well, no, because see, those are more scraggly. But I was gonna say, it's playoff manic- beards are manic- scraggly in in girth and like thickness. Yes, it's uh, it's playoff beard, but it's much more well kept. It is. Uh, it's impressive. It is very impressive. It All right, does need to be groomed from time to time. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> uh, looking at that bad boy, I would imagine so. Yeah, uh, I would imagine so. I, I would also imagine you're not shy about grooming the beard. Nope. Okay. All right, uh, we'll move on. Uh, let's talk about s- sophomore positional battles. Gelhar? Well, uh, Franchise and I, uh, since he came back, we were banging out some content looking at all of the fantasy-relevant sophomores at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. Got a bunch of good pieces you can find on NFL.com slash fantasy or from our Twitter accounts or the new fa- NFL Fantasy Facebook page. Most of them have been posted there. But just looking at what these guys might have in store for year two because some – were great successes like Todd Gurley, Amari Cooper, mm-hmm. others, Melvin Gordon, Amir Abdullah, Uh-oh. not so much. Yeah. So off of that, since it's this is legitimately the darkest period in the NFL season, <laughs> all the guys are off. It might be the darkest period in sports, period, right? No, I mean, it, it is true. There's like not a lot going on, man. Hockey yeah. just ended. Right. Basketball just ended. Yep. Football's gone dark. Nobody cares about baseball. Basically, all we have is baseball. And uh, and we have midseason baseball. It's like yes. even the players don't care about well, baseball the, right now. The All-Star yeah. break is legitimately like, what, a week away? It's so, so sad. So it's it's a dark time in sports. But right. So since we just did all this studying on these guys, okay. we thought it would be fun to put some of them head-to-head and have us debate 
who's going to score more points. We also put it out to you guys on Twitter, and thank you to everybody who voted. There you there go. There some interesting results that we will dive into here, but that was the inception for this this podcast rundown as I was scrambling yesterday. I was like, what in the hell are we going to talk about? <laughs> Like I went, to, I went to the uh, I went to NFL.com slash news. I was like, are there any yeah. headlines I missed? And I was like, nope, nope nothing, nothing, nothing. Missed. All right, uh, we do have a couple of top headlines, so so let's get to those. The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. This is the news. I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. Watch the news because I'm a kid. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife. All right, uh, the first one. I don't even know what the uh, what's the date line on this one. What should it be? Well, it doesn't matter. Former NFL coach Buddy Ryan passed away at the age of 82. I was like, Dateline Chica- Chicago? Dateline yeah, Arizona? I'm not sure. Dateline, I'm not exactly sure. That's a good question. Uh, it doesn't matter. Buddy Ryan, uh, the world-famous coach, football coach, a defensive mastermind, passed away at the age of 82. Uh, his legacy, there's no question about it, uh, very deep and very impactful in the NFL. I mean, he's got two sons coaching <laughs> in the NFL already, so it's like, come on. Uh, it, his impact was felt there. He but was the mastermind of our 46 did, defense. Yep, uh, one of the greatest defenses ever to sit foot on an NFL field, the right. 85 Bears. Um, had a lot of good years in Philadelphia, too. So. He did. Uh, he also had a couple of infamous years uh, with Houston. Yes, he did. Uh, that... Uh, that the punch. The, there's the, the the punch, but there's um the Houston. I think it's like Houston '93 or something like that. Is a football life. It's really good, and you can read Wesseling. Chris oh, Wesseling right. did a long form. Love right. love you blue about that team, and there's a lot um, of good Buddy Ryan nuggets in there. I was a uh, I was a fan of that team. That was a fun team. Like I wish I had been more cognizant of like what they were doing at that time on the field. But well, because I lived in Houston until I was like ten. And um, and that was just a little bit after I had moved, but uh, but man, I was still following that team super close, and I was like, did that did did that coach just try to punch the other coach? I was so confused. Yep, <laughs> I was so confused because you had never seen that before. No, uh, but Buddy Ryan, uh, a very controversial figure. There's no question about it. But colorful, uh, very colorful. <laughs> colorful. There's no question. Yes. Uh yeah, he he's passed away at the uh, the age of 82 and there's a lot of stuff on him, man. There's a lot of stuff on him, both positive and negative. He he was a very interesting character. There's no question about it. Absolutely. All right, so RIP Buddy Ryan. Um I, I do want to go to Baltimore though. Okay. Mike Wallace says he's quote better since leaving the Steelers. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, a, a deadpan stare from the Wiz. Yeah, uh, right. Okay. I I looked at that. I looked at that one. And I was yeah. like, okay, okay, Mike Wallace. Like his, he had an amazing year with the Steelers, where I think he scored ten or eleven touchdowns or whatever it was. Averaged like twenty-one yards per catch. Yeah, was a sensation. Got paid all this money and has never been the same player since. And yes, he was scored ten touchdowns a couple years ago in Miami. A lot of those just came in the red zone, though. So this is, you know. Whatever. Uh, I mean, it could be exciting for the Ravens in the respect that they're probably going to be a more pass-heavy team. Mark yeah, Trustman, uh, Trustman's tended to be a pass-heavy coach. But. Right. Uh, to your point, the he came from a Vikings offense that was leaning very heavily on the run game, Adrian Peterson and all that. Um, uh, he's 29 years old, uh, but he posted last year a career low in, I think, catches, receiving yards. Uh, here it is. Yep, receiving yards, yards per catch, and touchdowns. Uh, those are all fantasy relevant numbers, <laughs> some would say. <laughs> but but as you mentioned though, man, like he he's going to a Baltimore team. You know, 
I read an interesting piece uh, on why he's a good sleeper candidate, and I and I buy it. Everyone's dead in Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, there's no, who's catching the ball there? Kamar Aiken. Kamar Aiken. And I mean, look, I I know I'm sitting. Kenneth Dixon. Yeah, maybe some, <laughs> some kind of running back committee that just. I mean, balls. one he's of their a, seventeen tight ends. He he's a consistent. Okay, he's he's. Uh, let's just strike consistent. He's a downfield threat. Yes. yes. Glad you scratched consistent. From that. <laughs> he's a downfield threat. Joe Flacco likes to throw the ball downfield, as you mentioned. Mark Tressman likes to throw the ball a lot. Yes. Interesting sleeper candidate. No. Yeah, I I don't That's want any. I don't want any part of it. I don't know about you, franchise. I just I I don't want that volatility. If I was going to take a shot at any Ravens pass catcher, it would be Kamar Aiken. Yeah. The thing is, he's going to cost you almost nothing. So nothing. If- Nothing. I mean, if you're going for a flyer in the late round, you might as well get a guy who's at least either the one or the two in Baltimore. I would think he's the one, and Kamara Aiken is the two. But Steve Smith is is probably yeah, the the reason. Me. I think the reason people are like, yeah, yeah, whatever about Mike Wallace is the fact that let's say like let's project out to like week eight, week yeah. nine, Steve Smith is back in the rotation, right? Right. But Mike Wallace the- probably takes a backseat. But by that point, your fantasy season is three quarters of the way over. It is. So, so I, no, I hear what you say. Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, fantasy is a week by week proposition. You know, um, yes. and if there are guys that you could hold on to for that long, uh, more power to you. That probably means you got a great team. But the fact of the matter is, you got to win in those first first four or five weeks. If right. you go down, you know, one and three. You're in a dark place, my friend. I understand the logic yeah. in liking Mike Wallace, but I, you know, fantasy ultimately at the end of the day too is about having fun, and I will not have any fun <laughs> deciding <laughs> deciding whether or not to start Mike Wallace, and then watching him score zero uh, points in my on my team, and then twenty two points on my bench. <laughs> so for that reason, I mean, there are other high upside guys that yeah. I'd rather take because they might be more fun for me to to watch or root for. But right. I just I won't be taking taking many right. shots at Mike Wallace. Maybe like in it. MFL tens, but. Uh, sophomore positional battles. Okay, again, so we're kind of taking a look at second-year players, yep. um, and we're trying to figure out who's going to be the better season-long fantasy play. Am I right in saying that? Correct. Season-long fantasy play? Correct. All right, we'll start at the quarterback position. How about Jameis Winston versus Marcus Mariota? Uh, the poll results came in. <laughs> pretty split. Pretty even. 50-50 yeah. was the vote, Winston versus Mariota. Uh, what say you, Wiz? Well, I actually just did the the study on these guys. I watched a bunch of games for each. I looked at the what's changed for them from year one to year two. Okay. All that jazz. And if I have to give the nod to anybody, I'm giving it to Jameis Winston because Is that right? I think in just purely he's I think he's the better passer. He's okay. got a better deep ball. He's he's a little bit more accurate. Marcus Mariota's more accurate than him on the move, probably, but Winston could improve there. He lost a bunch of weight this offseason. He also has a true number one threat, and he has an elite receiver in Mike Evans. Yeah. Mariota, on the other hand, his number one receiver right now is some mix of maybe Kendall Wright, maybe oh DGB, maybe a fifth-round rookie <laughs> named Tajay Sharp. Like, <laughs> the, there is a lot of upside there with okay. uh, Mariota from his legs and if he runs more. And I mentioned yeah. the piece, Mike Malarkey, he's talked about bringing that exotic smash mouth to the, to the fold. And when Cordell Stewart or Cordell Stewart was his quarterback in the original Exotic Smash Mouth, he averaged about six rushing attempts a game, which turns into about ninety on the year. Have we figured out what the Exotic Smash? What what does that mean? We don't know specifically. So that's what I was trying to surmise. I don't. I can't imagine them having their second year face of the franchise running the ball ninety times this year, like on purpose. So even if he gets an uptick, I like it. But 
I just think Winston, he's got another year in dirt cutter system. He's getting more control at the line of scrimmage. He's built a better rapport this offseason with Mike Evans. He's lost weight. He's got just the core that I trust more around him. He's got a better offense. We, no question. We, we know Doug Martin can play. We know Charles Sims can play. Meanwhile, in Tennessee, we don't know if DeMarco Murray is fully washed or not. Right. Derrick Henry, I love him. I think he's going to be a beast, but we don't know for certain until we see him put the pads on. Right. So for those answers, I like both of them as late-round flyers, but if I'm going to pick one who I think is going to have a little bit higher of the fantasy ceiling in 2016, it's Winston. All right, Beard, what's up? What say you, franchise? I see both sides of this argument. Okay. I think it's a really good debate because I think no matter who you go with, you know, it's not you're not going to lose because they're both great quarterbacks. I think Mariota's got the legs, and I think that's a little bit undervalued in fantasy. Like those those are those rushing yards per game add up over time. Oh, for sure. Um, like last year, so Tyrod Taylor had the second most rushing yards among quarterbacks, 568. It helps. Yeah. It, it does help. Alex Smith had 498. Aaron Rodgers had 344. But I think just the, like it, Mariota can run the ball. Winston has the weapons. And I think um, I think I'm going to go with Mariota because of the legs. I think so, too. I've got um, only only me and money even have Marcus Mariota ranked in our top 100. Um, I don't know where you had uh, Geller. I don't know where, you, where you've got them ranked. But <clears throat> I tell you what, man, the, the, the legs intrigue me. Because he didn't run almost at all last year. Only like 32 attempts, I think. And uh, and what we saw was, I mean, how can you forget that? What was it, that 90 yard It was like run? 87, I think. Right. It was unbelievable. Uh, the kid's got some legs, and we saw that at Oregon, too. Um, I don't know. You know, a lot of it has to be the fact that I'm a Pac-12 guy. I've seen this guy play way too often. Um, I, as you mentioned, uh, you're right. Jameis Winston's got better pieces around him. Right. But sometimes... Sometimes when a quarterback is asked to do everything and he does, yeah. watch out. Right. Oh, for sure. Like Cam Newton. Like I, Cam Newton. Right. Uh I like to let's Jameis, especially dropping some pounds, he can he can scramble a little bit. We saw yeah, a couple good can. runs. And he's a big guy. Like he could be a he's touch a he got six touchdowns last year on the ground. Which was surprising. So he could he could vulture a couple on scramble things or just quarterback dives from Doug Martin and Charles Sims. So That's true. I think the rushing touchdown upside is there. Mariota's definitely going to get more yardage, but like I said, it's close. And honestly, like if I I have to update my rankings now that we're in the dark period, but <laughs> I'll probably they'll honestly probably only be one spot away yeah. in my quarterback <clears throat> rankings. So I, I guess it makes sense, right? The 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 poll 50, yeah, 50, 50, 50 It's yeah. close. And I don't want to rain on anyone's parade here, All right. but as we but were, you will as we were started recording, a little blurb came out on Mariota on Roto World saying that uh, Mariota will hand it off 40 times a game if that's what it takes to win. <laughs> Smash Mouth. So, Smash Mouth, baby. Uh, Exotic. So I don't know if they're going to run the ball 40 times a game, but that might, you know, if they're more fo- focused. First of all, the they're, they're only <laughs> – I love when teams say we're going to run the ball. You know, you have to be in the lead to run the ball. Correct. I mean, that's <laughs> you have to be in a competitive ball game to I run mean, the ball. No, you don't, James. If you want to just lose and you're behind, you can continue <laughs> to run the ball. You don't ha- you don't have to pass it. You can- if you just want to get on the bus and go home, you yeah, can keep handing that true. ball off. That's true. That's true. That's how I felt about watching the Browns last year. Oof. You know, poor Browns. Let's let's you know. I, did the Browns play Tennessee at one point last year? Uh they did. Like week two, they beat them. They I, sacked Mariota nine times. I felt like that was like a game that uh, that red zone went back to far too often, and I was like, no. We got to move on. We got to black this game out. Why? Why is this game on? Why is this right. game on? <laughs> there were some exciting on. plays actually, because that was one of the games I watched when I studied uh, Mariota. But there you go. Uh, let's go to the running back position, shall we? Uh, high profile: Todd Gurley, David Johnson, 
the Twitter poll, uh, the Twitter poll, has it heavily in favor of Todd Gurley, seventy-five to twenty-five. Far and away the biggest landslide. Todd Gurley more fantasy points than David Johnson. I've got Gurley ranked two spots ahead of Johnson. As a matter of fact, I've got Ezekiel Elliott uh, sandwiched in between Gurley and Johnson. So Gurley, Elliott, Johnson. But that being said, that's too big of a uh, of a voting differential to me. Yeah, this is crazy. Uh, David Johnson's in a much better. We talk about offense versus talent or whatever it is. I, first of all, I, I love the, the the talent level of David Johnson. Love it. Uh, he's in a better offense. There's no question about it. Uh, Todd Gurley, he's got a rookie quarterback. Uh, you would hope Goff will, will add some stability to it, at least on the back end of the season. Um, we saw what he can do when he's right, Todd Gurley, and he's got that tantalizing talent. Yeah. But 75-25, Wiz, that's a big number, man. That's I think what people might be overvaluing or undervaluing in terms of David Johnson is the, the passing work he'll right. get, the receptions. Todd Gurley. How about the touchdown potential? I mean, that too. I mean, Gurley had 10 touchdowns last year, and he, let's be honest, he's their number one threat in right. the red zone sure. is to just give him the rock and hope he pounds it in. But Gurley only had 26 targets last year in, in 12 games and 21 catches, so pretty good catch rate. But that's not a lot of additional passing work. David Johnson is a former receiver, might have been was probably the best pure pass-catching back to come into the league last year as a yep. rookie. And he's going to get the ball. Like, that's going to help his, his touches and his weekly floor, like, He's not going to come off in catch-up situations, uh, you know, which I don't know that Todd Gurley will. Maybe they'll work, they've worked in Benny Cunningham there in the past. But, um, yeah, there's the excitement of Gurley having a full 16 games because he did 1,100, you know, put up 1,100 yards in basically 12 games last year. But, but man, that, that's where I would get where think they're going to be closer is that uh, David Johnson will even it out in, through the air. Um, <clears throat> how much worry do you guys have in, in regards to that Rams offense? Any at all? I mean, look, I, I get it. Last year was a mess, too. They had a, a yeah. worse quarterback situation, and, and Gurley still performed well. Right. Um, I get that part, but, I mean, just common sense tells you there's got to be some concern there, no? Yeah, there's there's some concern, but I think, like you said, we saw Gurley kind of transcend that situation last year. If we're talking about the wide receivers and the passing game, it's a different story, but I don't think any team – leans will lean on the running back more than the Rams will lean on Gurley this year in the same in the same vein that the Vikings lean on Adrian Peterson right the the Vikings and the Rams might be the only two teams that lean on their running back as much as they do and for that reason I think Gurley is the most valuable running back in fantasy because he's going to get all the touches maybe he won't get as much work in the passing game as a guy like David Johnson yeah I don't think it'll matter I think it'll It'll even out by the end of the year. I mean, in 2013, uh, Gurley did have 37 catches for four, 441 yards and six touchdowns at Georgia. So we know he he is a talented enough player. I don't think anybody doesn't think he can catch passes. I just that right. offense that they had been running there didn't target Feature the running that. backs as heavily as right. David Johnson, who you look last year in his limited work got very f- limited 57 targets last year right very limited and people forget at the beginning of the year like the first six weeks when David Johnson was getting like maybe six touches a game yeah. he was still getting double digit fantasy points because he was doing big things with a small amount of touches I would be sh- I mean I don't even think he was getting six looks a game right it was, I mean I think for yeah. the first four weeks I mean I literally think it was like one touch a game right 
Um, but and, and and as you mentioned, he did it through special teams. Uh, there was a, a catch and run that he had for a, a crazy amount of yardage and a touchdown. Yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, he did a lot with very few so, opportunities. That's why people are super excited about David Johnson. First six weeks of the year, here were his touch totals. Okay. One, six, ten, seven, three, uh, four. And then f- five, three, one, wow. four. <laughs> wow. But in that span, wow. he scored one, two, three, four, five, six touchdowns. Wow. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, I'll say this. Uh, so the reason I've got Gurley ranked ahead of Johnson by two spots, um, I think he's a safer play. Yeah. But in oh, terms 100%. of but in terms of upside, I think I think their ceilings are just about the same to yeah. me. And and both of them are tremendous. I might even put. I I definitely agree with you, Todd Gurley. Safer. I might put Johnson ceiling a little bit higher because of that that passing work. I think you're right. Like think about if he gets targeted right. like Matt Forte used to in Chicago. If right. He gets. 80, 80 looks in that offense, you know, as 50, a, as 60 a catches back. or something, 50, 60 catches, 80 looks like 700, 600, 700 receiving yards. Like, oh, he'll, he'll, he he'll could, do some damage. If he becomes their featured back, like I, people were asking me on Twitter yesterday, actually, when this poll came out, like, aren't we worried about Chris Johnson coming back and vulturing touches? Like yeah. he might get some, but I think Bruce Arians is a smart enough coach to know now that David Johnson is a difference maker in this yeah. offense and they need to give him, give him the rock. So He's a guy that could, if he gets the requisite touches, could honestly push for like two thousand total yards. Right. I would agree with that. I would. I would a hundred percent agree with that. And and it's like you said, it the passing down work for a guy who is a very good pass catcher. He he's going to put linebackers in trouble, man. He's yeah. going to put safeties oh, yeah. in trouble. <laughs> oh yeah. This is crazy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. One oh, other yeah. thing that might concern me though, regarding like the other uh, running backs on the depth chart. Like if David Johnson gets a little banged up or something has some kind of minor injury, that's right. They might just rest him because they have the depth. That's true. And Andre Ellington's still there. Yes. Yeah, he is still there. And Chris Johnson's. Chris there. Johnson's and still there. Yes. And in Gurley's case, like if he's banged up, he's all they got. They might force him out on the field, even if he's dealing with an injury. They'll make him play through it. He'll still get the. Or matches. hell, he might want to play through. Yeah. Johnson, you mean? Uh, Gurley. Oh, Gurley. Yeah, that's what I mean. He might want to, yeah. He might want to play through it. There's no one else there. Like he's the guy they're leaning on. So that's that's another concern I would have. If David Johnson's minor injury, there's guys that can back him up. If Gurley has an injury, he's just going to be out there every game, no matter what. Jay Ajayi versus Matt Jones. This one was super close as well. Fifty-three forty-seven. Pretty darn close. Uh, the favors Jay Ajayi just a touch. Yeah. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I, I I know you, Gelhar. You're not very high on Matt Jones. No, I mean if he if he earns the the featured back job there, I would feel a little bit more comfortable about him. But I don't have faith that he will, and I think he's going to lose a lot more work than somebody like Jay Ajayi will right now because Miami's basically put to rest the rumors that they're going to acquire Arian Foster. So the only real threat to touches that Ajayi has is going to be Kenyon Drake in the passing game. And there, it came out recently that Ajayi had been struggling a little bit in the passing game, which is okay. You know, running backs aren't always the, the best at catching passes. But right. I think he's going to be their guy. He's going to be their red zone threat. He's a big, powerful running back, so he's got the touchdown upside for them. And he's going to get the the lion's share of the carries in that offense, which should be I, – I think he's a safe bet to put up RB2 value, whereas the range of outcomes for Matt Jones for me is anywhere from, like, high RB2 to RB4. Yeah, the risk is much higher with Jones. And you're getting them basically in the same, I think, both fifth-round ADP. Are they going that high? Yes. Yeah. Are they? Both are certainly going that high. Oy. 
the other thing with Ajayi and the struggle. It's a hefty price to pay, man. I don't yeah. mind it for Ajayi. Yeah. I, it worries me for Jones. There's a lot of risk, yeah. Um, the other thing for Ajayi in the passing game, he caught 50 passes in his junior year at Boise State. Yes, he That's can catch he's a He's a three-down back. I think these these little blurbs about guys dropping passes in OTAs are way overblown. That's very true. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, for the record, Ajayi is going on average on NFL.com at pick 46 in the middle of the fifth round. Matt Jones is going 73rd right now in the eighth, actually. I think other other places have him higher. We had him ranked a little lower after our um, ranking, ranking summit. Our council of rankings. Okay. Council of rankings. And uh, so that's yes. that's why he's going to touch touch lower on our side here. Um, Jay Ajayi, uh, you've got him at 38 overall. And again, I, you know, I, I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire here because, I mean, obviously the rankings have to be updated. Um, but, uh, I, man, I, it's funny because I like Jay Ajayi. I feel like I like Jay Ajayi, but I've got him ranked so low. I've got him at 68. Whew. Um, I've got him at 68. I've got Matt Jones at 63. A big part of my rankings looking the way they do, though, and I know a lot of people won't agree, um, you know, I'll, I'll get guys like Ben Roethlisberger up there. You know, I'll put Aaron Rodgers way higher. I'll put Cam Newton way higher. Right. Um, mostly because there's so much volatility once you start getting to these second, third running backs. And for me, give me an elite guy. And if if I'm going to take an elite guy, I'm going to rank him higher than somebody like Jay Ajayi, who I think has still some question mark. I'm, and and, the th- and it's so funny, man. I, like I like him. <laughs> like I like him. I like him in that in Miami. I like him in, in the uh, the Adam Gay system. But can I can I say one thing though that that does give me some pause for concern? Certainly. I think Miami's defense is going to be garbage. I think Miami's defense is going to be trash, and for that reason, I don't think they will lean on the running game as much. I'm starting to really come around um, to liking Devontae Parker, to, to liking the passing game, Landry, Tannehill. Um, I'm really coming around to, to liking the passing option a lot more because the more I look at that defense, the more question marks I have, or the more question marks there are, and uh, and I and I just think they're going to be playing from behind or going to be having to score a lot of points, uh, a lot. And for that reason, and then I think about Adam Gase too, right? Uh, a passing guy. I, I'm I'm starting to really come around to that Miami passing attack. He did get some very very uh, solid running back seasons as an offensive coordinator too, though. His first one in Denver was the No. Sean Moreno like miracle year. Uh, the, year, <laughs> the, no shopper, the miracle the year. The 2013 year where he finishes like the RB5 or whatever <laughs> fantasy. The year after that, it was the, the it was the split of oh, yeah. of Hillman and CJ Anderson, but once right. he started feeding CJ Anderson the rock, CJ yeah, went good. went crazy down the stretch. And even last year, Matt Forte was having a great year, got injured, Lankford came in, had some good work, and once Matt Forte came back, they both had productive weeks. Right. So, he does he does love the pass, but I think that that sets up a, a productive running game as well. There you go. Uh, one one quick note. I think before I, before you change, I yes. was just looking at this. So Matt Jones last year had eight games with double digit carries. Okay, he only averaged more than three point four five yards per carry in two of those games. That's uh below average. Poor. It's not it great. It is below average. That's not very good. Uh, Melvin Gordon, Amir Abdullah. Uh, can I say pass? This one actually, I had just checked again. Uh, okay, tipped. 51% to Amir Abdullah, 49% <laughs> to Melvin Gordon, as of the last votes. 
can I can I take a mulligan on this one? This one, I I don't even want to think about this one. This one I mean, gives me heartburn. I think the biggest thing here is, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, is Amir Abdullah might be a member of a committee in in Detroit, and Melvin Gordon is going to be the feature back in San Diego, and I think that hey that hey what hey. <laughs> How dare you disrespect Danny Woodhead like that? I thought what you were setting it up for is Amir Abdullah might be a part of a committee. Melvin Gordon is part of a committee, uh, and then you went into the featured back. And oh, I'm. I wanted to tip stuff over back here. I had an internal struggle about this Melvin Gordon thing in the last couple weeks. Okay. After I wrote this article, I jumped on the Melvin Gordon train, hype train, or whatever we want to call it. I don't even know if it's hype train anymore. But um, I'm on board with Melvin Gordon. Why is that? Because he isn't going to cost you much. There's no way he doesn't score a touch. He he had, what, 207 touches or something last okay. year? And he didn't score a touchdown. That's, all right. That's an anomaly. That's not going to happen again. He's going to get in the end zone this year. He's going to get all the early down work. And he looks – yeah, there's concerns with his knee. He's at a good place right now. That surgery was back in January. By the time the season starts, we'll be eight or nine months out. And I think um, – he said one of the biggest things that he struggled with was the mental part of the game. And now he's, he's got a year of learning the playbook, a whole off season to learn more of the playbook. And I think Melvin Gordon is going to have a bounce back here and uh, going to surprise a lot of people. And for a guy who's a starting running back to get him in the seventh round, I think that's an amazing value and I'll take him there all day. Uh, fantasy football calculator, <clears throat> Melvin Gordon going in the middle of round seven. What is, what pick is this? Yeah. Pick number, yeah, whatever. He's the 27th running back off the board. He's uh, going in the middle of round seven in a 10-team league, and Amir Abdul's going at the end of round seven. So they're very, very close. Very, very close. Uh, but, man, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't want any, I want no piece of either one guy, man. But, I mean, if you had to choose. If I had to, if I, if I absolutely had to, I, I guess I'll go Amir Abdullah just based off of upside. Uh, we'll give a little shout out to our friend uh, Brad Evans over okay. at Yahoo Sports. Oh, he yeah. wrote a big. He's been on on Twitter a lot, like going to bat and then you know fighting for Melvin Gordon. Yep. And he wrote a good little piece. You can check it out on Yahoo. But uh, he pulled some other good, some other metrics that work in favor of Gordon and speak to how terrible his offensive line was and stuff. Last but have year. they addressed that? Uh, I, I, people I, are just going to be healthy this year. Yeah, that's true. And that's I think true. they, I think they scooped up some. Um, that's true. They scooped up some uh, some draft picks that that I think there's a center that they got that Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks really like. I heard them talk about on Move the Sticks, but okay. So uh, Gordon's had uh, .18 tackles avoided per attempt was number eighth at his position. It's 2.2 yards after contact. Uh, outpaced guys such as Lashawn McCoy, Devonta Freeman, and Demarco Murray. Uh, he had an 89.2 catch percentage, uh, which was outstanding. Number three among all running backs. And 8.1% of his runs went for 10 or more yards, which isn't too bad. I was looking at that that stat, too, um, myself. And some of the best guys were around, like, 10 to 13%. So he's not too far off of that behind a terrible offensive line. Okay. There's reason for optimism. I think I would side Abdullah. I don't know. You guys can have him. You guys can have him. <laughs> Look, Gordon's got that microfracture, man. That I just can't get around that. I, I just cannot get around that surgical procedure that has absolutely destroyed the careers of numerous athletes. Um, I just can't wrap my mind around it. I really can't. I, I think the defense, is, again, in San Diego is still going to be horrible. Um, you know, Danny Woodhead is still there. He was clearly 
the better player when both guys were healthy. Um, and Amir Abdullah, I mean, look, I don't, I'm not in love with Amir Abdullah either. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, I think both guys are just, quite frankly, I think both guys are going to be a bust next year. Yeah. I think both guys are being heavily overdrafted uh, right now as, as we speak today. Seventh round, there's no freaking way I would pay that price for Gordon or Abdullah. There's just no way. Are you kidding me? No way. Uh, Double-digit rounds, fine. Okay, great. But, I mean, the where they're going right now, there's absolutely no way I'm taking either one of those guys. Sounds okay. good. All right. Well, let's go to the wide receivers. That's fine. Let's go to wide receivers. Tyler Lockett, Devontae Parker, Lockett with the edge, 55-45, according to Twitter. What say you? Franchise. Uh, this is a hard one because they're both – I mean, Lockett had an amazing rookie year. Devontae Parker we only really saw at the end of last year. Right. Um, and he was still coming back from that foot injury, so he might right. not have been 100%. I think I like Tyler Lockett's upside more because what do they got? Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett's probably their number two, which I think some recent news reports have pointed at. And Parker sure. Parker will be Miami's number two, but I think Landry is the target hog there. Um, and there's some other guys in that passing game that could, could soak up targets other than Parker. Are there? Yeah, are there though? There are. There are. They're they're, <laughs> they're loaded at wide receiver. Like, in Miami. let's just let's just x off Kenny Stills. He's like no, another guy that James just buried. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's just Barry. x him off. But if it's a conversation between Lockett and Parker, I'm gonna go Lockett. Okay, Wiz. I, oh man, this one's hard because. I think I like Lockett better as a player and what he put on tape as a rookie. That's right. He's, so um, he's got he's got the better quarterback, and he's in an offense that I think could be skewing a little more pass-heavy. Oh, yeah, big time. The reason time for optimism time. with Devontae Parker, though, is that Adam Gase has pummeled his number one like outside receiver with targets in the past. That's what I'm saying. Like Demarius Thomas. That's what I'm Elshon saying. Elshon Jeffrey. Those guys were huge target hogs, and he likes having that big threat. And Devontae Parker – even though he barely played last year, is probably the team's best threat in the red zone now because of his size and his leaping ability. Uh, I mean, Jarvis Landry's great. But he was good down the stretch, too. I mean, let's not mitigate what he did down the stretch. Devontae Parker was pretty good had, down the stretch. He had a, he had a couple good games. I, I, watched all, I watched all of his stuff uh, recently for the sophomore wide receiver study, too. Um, and, I mean, Lockett got more consistently open against man and against zone, and he's got that deep speed. I think... Oh, God, it's so close. It's so close. I think I would side Lockett just by a hair as well because I like what he offers on an individual basis more, and I like I like his quarterback. All right, so yeah. I, I, I like Lockett. I love Lockett. Um, and uh, when my initial rankings came out, I got Lockett at 69 overall, Devontae Parker at 74, so they're, they're, they're nice. very close. Um, but I will say this. The more I, I've looked at the tape, the more I've thought about situations um, – Again, I'm leaning a little bit more towards Devontae Parker right now. I think Tyler Lockett's got better upside. Yeah. Uh, I think his skill, like what his skill set is, is uh, is going to lend itself towards more volatility. Uh, but that being said, I think he's got uh, I think he's got higher upside because he's just a freak athlete. Um, Devontae Parker is a good athlete, not a freak athlete. Very smooth as a, as a wide receiver. But you mentioned it, man. The Adam Gase effect, they, they pound their target. They've got two guys. They've got Landry, they've got Jarvis Landry, and they've got Devontae Parker. I think Landry fills that underneath role, but when you start talking about touchdown potential, 
man, I really like uh, what Devontae Parker's got there. And here's the other thing, too. Again, I mentioned it before. Their defense is going to be garbage. It's going to be trash. Uh, all due respect to Indomitian Sue, who's there. I get it. Okay. They made some moves on defense. He's one guy. I, I, I'm not I'm not impressed with what they got defensively, and I think they're going to be playing from behind quite a bit. Um, that being the case, uh, I think what we saw last year with the Jags, I always point to the Jags because the Jags had a horrible defense last year. And as a result, we saw their offensive guys able to shine. Alan Hearns came out of absolutely nowhere right. uh, to score double-digit touchdowns. Alan Robinson, um, to everyone except Matt Harmon, came in pretty much out of nowhere. Uh, I don't even think Matt Harmon could have projected 14 touchdowns for Alan Robinson. And then we saw the quarterback, too, uh, also develop as well. So, I don't know, man. In Miami, I like what they got going on. I'm the the more I really start thinking about their situation, the more excited I get about Miami, especially considering the the draft prices on some of these guys. I think these guys are going to be huge bargains uh, come draft day. I'm 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 all in uh, on the Miami offense, oh especially boy. given especially given uh, their draft price. James, have you learned nothing from recent history? I feel like this is the time every year everybody gets excited. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill's going to take yeah. the next step. <laughs> no, like, let's go back to like 2012. He's got his college coordinator. It's going to be great. No. no. Now last year, Ryan Tannehill's going to progress. He's got good weapons. <laughs> he's, he's been in the same offense for years. No. That's why, like, our Greg Rosenthal, I think I forget if we talked about this in the last spot or not, he wrote a good piece on why Tannehill could break out. And I, when they tweeted it out from there on the NFL handle, I quote-tweeted right. and said, oh, I see we've reached the Ryan Tannehill's going to break out portion of the offseason. We, we run into Very this good. every year, and it has Very not good. worked out ever. All right, fine. So I, 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 understand, I understand those reasons to get excited, but yes. I think the – the trump cards for me is Ryan Tannehill and that Tyler Lockett is, is a better quarterback and I like him more as a player so far. Kevin White, Doriel Green, Beckham. Kevin White, 58%. DGB, 42%. Wiz, where do you lean? This is a tough one for me because um, while I, I like Kevin White as the player more, even though he hasn't set foot on an NFL field yet. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's the surprising thing about this number, is it not? Yeah. And, I think the the trouble is, and here's why I think people have sided with the fact that White is so is beating Doriel Green Beckham by a sizable margin. Is they're picturing in their heads the Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey both right. finished as a sure. top twelve fantasy wide receiver year. However, that coach and coordinator is gone. It is now John Fox, who has been historically a run heavy coach. It's Doa Logans, who hasn't had a, a ton of like super fantasy success as a, as a coordinator. That's right. And this is a team that's probably going to be run first with their committee backfield of Lankford and Howard. So that is what concerns me about Kevin White when thinking about dra drafting him or if he's going to be far outscore somebody like DGB. I don't even have him in my top 100, Kevin White. You don't have Kevin White in your top 100? I don't have him in my top 100. Um, and, I mean, that's not saying much because I think the rest of the guys, uh, you guys got him in the 90s. Guys got him in the nineties. Who who's the highest? Uh, Adam Rank is the high, Adam Rank of Chicago. So go, uh, go figure. Uh, he's got, but even he has him at eighty-two. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I'm not I'm not saying much by saying I don't have Kevin White in my top. So 100. in my in the in the sophomore wide receiver study I did, I pulled up this nugget was that in the offenses under Tressman when Marshall and Jeffrey had those massive years, and Tressman's entire uh, tenure as an NFL head coach or offensive coordinator, his offenses have averaged finishing eighth in pass attempts. 
versus twenty first for offenses led by John Fox. Right. And if you take out the few years John Fox had Peyton Manning when he was basically the offensive coordinator, his offenses sink to twenty fifth in pass attempts. Woo. So the volume takes a huge hit from that coordinator standpoint. Big time. And Alshon Jeffrey's the number one guy there. Uh, Zach Miller's going to command some looks because he's got a rapport with uh, Jay Cutler. Kevin White's been working in the offseason, but my but the concern with Kevin White is that he's just he's not going to get the the looks that people are expecting. I don't even know. I mean, we don't even know what he's going to look like. Period. Yeah. Period. Yeah, he's somebody I'm, I'm very excited to watch in the preseason. So, I guess right now, uh, God, I don't I gotta, know. I, I don't know how you don't go Doriel Green. I just don't know. I don't get it. I think I have to tip the scales in favor of DGB at this point. Is DGB not the number one guy in Tennessee? Well, right. he's this. This the, is the, all the, the off season ru- swirling rumors that Tajay Sharp starting ahead of him and stuff like that. But <laughs> but DGB has the potential to be where Kevin White will. Be the number two in Chicago because yeah. of Alshon Jeffrey. There you go. So DGB I, has I think, the upside. I think we can say that no matter what, right? Right. And and DGB, if if he is healthy and he is in the field, is going to be one of the primary red zone threats there because he's six five oh. and has a thirty something verti- vertical inch leap. He's a monster. He's a monster. Yeah. I mean, you watch him play out there. You're like, I mean, he looks like he looks like a giant out there. He looks like an He's absolute big. giant. So we just he just needs to put it all together. So yeah. I think it's it's a it's a very close call, but I think I would side DGB as of this point without seeing Kevin White on the I team. mean you gotta keep in mind too, going into last year, he basically took a year off football. Yeah. Last year he was the first year of football in two years. What is he gonna look like this year? I'm really excited about DGB. He's one of my favorite sleepers. Uh, going, he's got a. I like the quarterback situation there in Tennessee. Marcus Mariota, uh, we talked about before. Uh, I think he, to me, anyways, looks like the number one guy there in Tennessee. What's they're not to like? I, I mean, uh, the projection on Kevin White is is kind of interesting. I'm surprised it's it's 58-42. Yeah. Is it because Tennessee was such a? I don't know. Has been for so long so bad. Well, I think it's just that. DGB had trouble staying healthy last year. He's made some boneheaded decisions in the offseason in the past. He was came out of shape last year is what they were saying, too. He's already been nicked up a little bit this year. So I think people are more excited about Kevin White, who seems more focused. He's been putting in extra time with Cutler and stuff, as opposed to DGB, who right near, right now people feel like is kind of an enigma. So, mm. Mm. All right, franchise? I would go DGB just because of what we said. He has he has the upside to be that team's number one wideout. Kevin White, we don't even know what he's going to be. I mean, you're drafting Kevin White based on potential, and you're basically guessing. And I don't want to waste a draft pick on a guess. At least with DGB, you know you're I getting. I mean, I don't mind taking Kevin White in, in rounds twelve plus. Yeah. Or if you're in a twelve team league, just okay, that's the fine. Situation. I think his ADP right now is about round eleven. White's White's in the better situation. Sounds about right. But DGB has that that year of actually being on the field. He didn't play every game, but he's actually played in NFL games before, and I think I would lean towards him because of that. That's so funny. You know, I, that's what's so funny to me is that, like, there's this perception that Chicago is a better situation for the pass catchers right. than Tennessee. I don't necessarily know if it's that clear for me. For many of the reasons that uh, Gelhart pointed out, that John Fox is a head coach does it's a low volume attack and plus they've got running backs there right so like yeah. that that works into what John Fox wants to do which is pound the ball he wants to pound the ball and and then you start thinking about Jay Cutler <laughs> once he starts getting goo goo eyes for a guy yeah i mean 
there it's a it becomes a one wide receiver offense. Um, Dorial Green Beckham, I, I mean, again, I, I think that offense is on the rise. Uh, I, I like the quarterback. I like what they did in the draft. Uh, they they picked up Jack Conklin, uh, addressed the offensive line a little bit. I know they still have got a ways to go, but I don't know. The other, I, I don't mind it. The other thing is Tennessee had virtually no run game last year. Right. And I think this year they'll, you know, it'll be a more balanced offense in that, oh, in that sense, which will benefit the wide receivers in right. general. So I think the offense took a big step forward yeah. in Tennessee, and um, not that it took a step back in Chicago. I'm not saying that, but again, the they John did, Fox they fans. did lose they lost Forte. Forte though. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I, I think between Langford and Howard and. Um, you know, whatever they've they've got there, I, I think they'll be okay. It's not, and, and keep in mind too, for, they lost Forte. Forte's a, a a fabulous player, but was getting a little long in the tooth. Yes. So you know, I, I think they'll be okay. Uh, Devin Funches, Stefan Diggs. This is another hard one. <laughs> Funches, thirty-two percent. Diggs, sixty-eight percent. I was kind of surprised to see this one skewed so heavily in favor of Diggs, but a franchise and I were talking about this before the show. I my my guess as to why people voted so heavily in favor of Diggs is because they're factoring in Kelvin Benjamin coming in and probably getting 20% of the targets in Carolina again. Greg Olson's going to get another 20% and okay. Devin Funches is going to have to have to battle for looks. Whereas Stefan Diggs is at worst the number 2 pass-catching option in his offense, potentially number one as Laquan Treadwell adjusts to the NFL game. Right. And we saw him put up some some really good some really good weeks there for a while, especially in PPR once he, right. he came out of nowhere and dropped like four for 80 or something on the Broncos. And yeah. you watch his game tape, I was so surprised with Stephon Diggs. He's such a – he's a smooth and very efficient route runner. He's a and good athlete. He can he – can footwork. Just, he can get people lost following him and his routes, and it's, yeah. it's, very, it's very fun I to agree. watch. I agree. I, I liked I liked him coming out of college too, Maryland. I, I mean, he was. I like guys that I, I like guys who play for bad teams in college and 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 actually shoulder the load. Um, and that's what Diggs was uh, for Maryland and those horrible horrible unis that they have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> gotta take a, gotta take a, a dig at their unis. Oh, I'll, okay. I'll show myself okay. out. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Uh, I'll I'll also say this about Devin Funches, man. Um, again, I don't know how fair it is to go back to college, but I'll, I'll do it anyways. Um, he's got shaky hands. Uh, he had shaky hands at Michigan, always has, um, and I don't necessarily know if he addressed those hands uh, or he's developed at all as a wide receiver last year. I mean, Cam Newton's throwing you the ball. Um, I don't know. I, I wasn't impressed with Devin Funches last year. I think he was kind of a, a, a guy, a byproduct of opportunity. He he caught less than half of his targets. Last year? Yeah. Is that right? 63 targets, 31 receptions. That's bad. Yeah. That's a, that is a red flag. That's just – that's not even, like, not good. That's bad. Right. That's a hands issue. That's a hands issue. Yeah. No, thank you. I will pass on that one. He's huge, though. Oh, 6'5", 235. So that makes him a red zone threat. But I guess we know the Panthers aren't really you know who's, throwing You know ball. who's bigger than him, though? Cam Newton. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's also a red zone threat. Cam Newton's just going to be at the one-yard line throwing <laughs> throwing passes up to himself. Fades to himself. In the end zone. That would be the greatest play in NFL history if Cam Newton threw a fade to himself and caught it. 
<laughs> and if I had to bet money on one player doing it in the NFL, I could totally see him doing that. Absolutely. But no, there's too many other targets there in Carolina, man. I'll pass. I'm, yeah. I, I, there's, I can't even see myself in any situation uh, drafting Devin Funches. Somebody and somebody. I, I, I was at a draft party last year. I was hosting a uh, draft party, a Directv event, and. Um, and I saw somebody took David, Devin Funches in the like ninth round or something. I'm like, what are you doing? Ooh. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, he's like, I'm telling you, Devin. There's nobody there. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin's hurt. Devin Funches is going to step in. He's going to be the new Kelvin Benjamin. <laughs> I'm like, bro, no, the guy can't catch the ball. And, no. and last time I checked, that's pretty important for a wide receiver. Yeah, to be able to catch that ball. Um, but wow, I didn't know. I didn't know his catch rate was that bad. Me neither. That's horrible. Yeah. All right, let's do daily daps to get out of here. Let's do it. All right, Daily Dap time. We go to Matt Francis Gritch, the franchise, the best beard in all of fantasy. What's up? What's up? I'm going to give my Daily Dap to this artist called Blood Orange. Blood Orange? His name's, it's a monkeyer. His real name is Dev Hines. Okay. He's a well-known producer, uh, songwriter, really good guitarist. He's worked with Florence and the Machine, Ooh. Uh, Solange Knowles in the past. Um, Pass on Solange, but that's okay. But he's <laughs> put out, um, he just put out his, I think, third solo album, t- like, su- surprise last night. It just came out online. It's called uh, Freetown. Hold on. All right. Freetown Sound. Okay. And if I had to compare this guy to anyone, I would call him uh he emotes some prince action with his Ooh, voice whoa. and the vibes of the okay. music, like chill wave. Okay. Airy guitars and all kinds of stuff going on. So if you're into that those kinds of tunes, check out Blood Orange Freetown Sound. I haven't actually listened to it myself, but I'm really excited to as soon as this podcast ends. All right. I like it. Yep. Uh, um Alex Gilhar, what's up? Uh, first daily dab has to go to the Iceland national team in the the Euro soccer. Where did that come from? What a story! Like these. Where guys, does that come from? <laughs> they're they have a population of like three hundred thousand, and uh, they beat England in the knockout round two to one, in a, a pretty convincing fashion. Um, so sorry to any England listeners out there, but how can you not love the Iceland national team? Last yesterday on Twitter. Like, after they won, a bunch of stuff was surfacing from, like, journalists out there and stuff of, like, showing the homes of the, the Iceland national people, or, like, where they grew up. <laughs> and it's legitimately, like, stone cottages on a lake in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and, like, one of my favorites was that the England manager made, like, $4.2 million per year or something, and the Iceland manager had to be a part-time dentist to pay the bills. I, I, I heard that on the broadcast. Is that right? Yeah, it, that's true. That's and, uh, crazy. One of, the, one of the guys that plays for the national team also, like, works at a gas station in the winter when he's not playing soccer. Wow. So it's just an amazing, like, underdog story, and it's kind of cool that we've had two on such a grand stage in the world of soccer this year with uh, Leicester City winning the Premier League and now Iceland making it to the round of eight in the Euros. So yeah. daily daps to them. That's got to be exciting, and I'm sure there are crazy parties in Iceland uh, <laughs> right now. And then the second daily dab quick is to just the Game of Thrones finale, like, uh, episode nine, the Battle of the Bastards was tremendous, and then they had. I was. It was. I was. Everybody's talking like, yeah, that the finale is going to be good, but it'll probably be a letdown. But holy crap, was that was that a fun finale with the stories they pushed forwards, the things they revealed, the uh, the teasers they left for next season, and uh, 
I, I just think they've done a tremendous job. Like a lot of people thought that the a Song of Ice and Fire book series was going to be unadaptable for TV or film, and credit to those to those guys, their whole team. Uh, you know, from the writing to the directing, cinematography, acting, and even the music. Like holy, that that music is awesome. Franchise and I were listening to it again yesterday because he found one of the main songs was on Spotify. Uh, and if you want to find that, I think we tweeted it out, so you can go to my Twitter and find the the Spotify link to that song. But just Daily Daps all around. It's been a tremendous watch this season. Good yep. stuff. Yep. Uh, I will give Daily Daps out to uh, a rapper by the name of Logic, a uh, white rapper from Washington, D.C., I believe. He's got a new song out called Flexecution. <laughs> uh, he's a little bit of a, I don't know, kind of an, I don't want to say underground guy because he is signed to a label. It's just not, he doesn't have a lot of, um, he's very popular online, super popular online. I just actually discovered him about, I don't know, maybe a, a few months ago. Uh, but uh, but I like the music. It's uh, it's 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 a little hit or miss. But uh, when he hits, it's really good. When he misses, it's eh, okay. <laughs> but you know what? As a matter of fact, what rapper can you not say that about? Yeah, it's very true. That's yeah okay. Um, uh, a couple of podcasts I want to give a daily dab to. Yeah. Uh, this American Life. Uh, their most recent episode. They they had a, a thing called choosing uh, choosing wrong. Um, and uh, if you're married, it's got a great intro. It'll hook <laughs> you forever. Uh, but then it also goes into Wilt Chamberlain uh, about he- him uh, actually choosing wrong, like how he was a horrible free throw shooter, then decided to go underhand, was actually really effective for Wilt Chamberlain anyways. And then the next year he said, no, I can't do it, and then went back to regular free throws and, w- and was terrible again. Um, it, that part of it was done by Malcolm Gladwell, which I then realized <clears throat> they said through This American Life, uh, he's got a new podcast as well. Nice. Um, it's called Revisionist History. Malcolm Gladwell's got a podcast called Revisionist History. Um, a str- <laughs> I mean, no surprise here, a strong listen. A strong I can imagine. Uh, so both of those pods, uh, I, I give my full endorsement. This American Life, Choosing Wrong, and then Malcolm Gladwell, Revisionist History. What uh, What is the Revisionist History podcast about? Um, so he takes a, a long look back at uh, at basically historical events. Okay, cool. And, and gives it the whole Malcolm Gladwell the whole spin. All right. He does pretty a, cool. He does a good job with it. And um, and, and they're powerful stories. Uh, it's It's stuff that you would expect. From Malcolm Gladwell. So it's pretty good. So there you go. All right, that's going to do it for the show today. Uh, NFL.com slash draft kit. Go check it out today. NFL.com slash fantasy. Sign up. Sign up your team. Sign up your leagues. And do your mock drafts today. See ya. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.